Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it. Even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say, that's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. This is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Listen in on candid conversations with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy to use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Allison Griffin, who's climbed the ranks of the film industry over the last several years, and right at what appeared to be the pinnacle of her career, she was diagnosed with cancer. In response to the diagnosis, she decided to create the film, What the F is Cancer? And in this interview, she talks to me all about the process of fearless filmmaking and fighting cancer. Well, Allison, uh, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, I mean, I was introduced to you by way of uh, Vinny Tortorich, who coincidentally at the time of recording this is the guest uh, that we've published today. But um, tell us a, a bit about yourself, your background, your story, and how that has led you to doing all the things you're up to today. Um, I've always wanted to work in the film business, so that went to film school Right out of college, I jumped into production and worked my way up from being a production assistant through those ranks up to being a line producer of independent films. And then it occurred to me that I wanted to spend more time focusing on the creative than the physical production aspects of things. So I, I, I took a staff job that allowed me to do more writing and creative things and sold a screenplay, sold a novel, and was just starting to get going on doing my own creative thing when I was diagnosed with cancer, which changed everything for better and, and for worse. You know, having cancer sucks, but it kind of launched me into being more of a fearless filmmaker. And the first thing I wanted to do after I processed the fact that I had cancer was make a movie that would help people who are fighting cancer, a movie that I couldn't find when I went looking for it. Mm -hmm. 
So a lot of stuff here. I mean, I, I want to dig back into the, the very early part of this journey because I think that one of the things that I look at um, with everybody I talk to is how much uh, the earliest parts of their life and career kind of shape who they are and how they show up in the world today. And yeah. I'd love for you to, to kind of talk to us about the early parts of your career, you know, working uh, as, you know, a production assistant. I mean, it, like it sounds like the, the sort of Hollywood fairy tale of, you know, what you see in Entourage, working in the mailroom and uh, working your way up to the ranks. Uh, and I'd love to hear about that in more detail kind of the things that really shaped you and, and people who have influenced you in that process. Okay. Well, I love that because it's not something we talk about very much. And I find myself faced with production assistants these days quite often who just want to skip the middle and go from the mailroom to the executive office. So mm-hmm. I, I like talking about it because it's it's a great process. Um, I I went to film school, graduated couldn't get arrested. I got a job, um, as an art department intern on an independent feature called John's that was starring David Arquette. And I had a great time and made no money. I worked six days a week. And from there I started meeting people and I wound up on a touchtone television show called Nowhere Man. That was fabulous, but it was very expensive and only ran for one season. It was run by a great writer producer named Larry Herzog, who had been, you know, he had done the Camel shows and he'd been around for a long time, very talented, very smart man who um, had a wonderful way of running a show. He was one of the best. And he, I remember asking him one day um, because I heard the term above the line and I was so green, I didn't know what that meant. And he said, it doesn't mean anything because we don't divide people on this show. And I was like, okay, you know, and so I spent a whole year not even knowing what that meant. And the people who were above the line and the people who were below the line, he, he treated everybody equally. He gave everybody a voice and it was this amazing experience. And I was a production assistant. I, that was, you know, pre-emailing scripts. So I drove around and delivered them. I got lunch, um, you know, I ran around the studio a lot at Disney and, and handed out scripts and call sheets, and it was great. And from there, I became an assistant production coordinator on the wonderful world of Disney films when they made their brief comeback for Sunday evenings. And I worked on Cinderella and Tower of Terror and this great movie called Safety Patrol, which is like a prequel to Better Off Dead. And I did the movie of the week thing. And then I just kept moving up through the ranks of production. Um, and I think I I moved up quickly and I learned a lot. Um, I I attribute a lot of that to being able to say, I don't know. And can you show me, um, and not being afraid not to know things. I was very lucky on my first show that Larry, you know, I was, there was no fear. I know that on a lot of, of shows, there's fear of someone getting mad at you. If you don't know something, um, I was lucky enough to have wonderful mentors who always were encouraging. Um, and, and I was lucky enough to have that first year of there's no difference between above the line and below the line, because I, I still practice that, you know, we're all just people making movies and it's, it's not a hospital triage situation. It's a film. And, um, I think that that's helped me get, get to where I am so peacefully. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
then going through production, you know, it, it, it's a very, very busy thing. When I wanted to do more writing and things like that, I looked into post um, and a staff job in post-production. I really enjoy working in post-production. The pace is a little more forgiving than than production, and I was able to spend more time in an office and focus on creative things. Um, and it's just going through the relationships that you go through on different movies. That's how the creative things started coming to fruition, and uh, those opportunities started happening. I mean, it's really it's a process, and it's a fabulous process if you embrace it and don't try and rush it mm-hmm. to really learn how to make a film and learn what all the equipment is and why schedules are the way they are and how budgets are the way they are and really learning the different components of every department, what it took to actually physically make a film um, is the reason that I was able to direct my first movie and start three days after I found a tumor in my breast. Um, so it was basically, you know, 15 years of learning how everything is done and listening and, you know, forming wonderful relationships with great people when it was time to say, okay, I reached the point that I knew would come someday. I wasn't sure when it was going to hit that I'm ready to direct a movie and this is the movie and let's go. And, um, that's why it was made. That's how it was made. And and that's why it was made with such high quality, uh, lots of fun, and no cost. It was pretty. I hope I didn't ramble through that story. No, 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 not at all. I mean, there's there's a ton here, actually. I mean, I, I'm really glad you brought up the story because I think that what you're talking about is a lot more than just how to make a film and how to have a successful career as a filmmaker. This is a metaphor for life, uh, in my opinion. I mean. You, I think, you know, you mentioned this idea of wanting to skip the middle or skip the bottom and go straight to the top. Um, and I think that's that's almost an epidemic of our culture today uh, because of the pace at which the world moves at. And, you know, I, I think that in my mind, I mean, one of the things I've consistently found is that there's great value in that early phase of your career, the being a beginner. And I, I honestly think that even as we, we kind of progress, there are things that I think and I say, you know, I wish at times I could learn how to get back to that place because some of the best things sort of start in that place. Um, so, so I think I have two questions for you around this. I mean, I think that a lot of people are in a rush. Uh, they want success overnight. You know, it's kind of like they, they, they see something and they don't see that, hey, 5, 10, 15, 20 years often have gone into what they're seeing. Right. Uh I, my question really probably is around patience uh, and how we cultivate it, how we develop it, uh, and how we – I mean you talked about the process. And I think that learning to embrace that process of you know, evolving from an apprentice to master of your craft uh, is something that's kind of lost uh, in, in the way we're, we're trained today. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that. It's a process. I, I always find this fascinating. Um, you know – Film crews are there. It's a very tight crew, so everybody gets to know everyone, and you know you end up talking to the new PA or intern or interviewing someone who's going to be an assistant. And it's it's always fascinating to me to talk to someone who says, "I want 
XYZ job or, you know, I've just graduated from college and I, I want to know how I get that job. I would like that job. And I always sit back and think, and, you know, and when it's appropriate, I ask, you know, what, what do you want to do to get to that job? You know, I, I think sometimes people are in so much of a hurry now that you sit back and go, okay, let's pretend you can have that job. Do you have any idea how to do it? Um, and unfortunately, in in the movie business, sometimes people, they get the job and they have no idea what they're doing because of some political thing. I guess that's in many businesses. And, you know, I think the most important thing is that if you want to be a good producer or if you want to be a good director or if you want to be a good fill-in-the-blank anything in this life, you have to learn what the process is. It's, it's how, how is the job done um, mechanically, you know, for whatever the craft is, and how is it done in terms of team I mean, it's not just learning what the actual job is. It's learning the kinds of people who do that job and how those people function. It's a growth thing. And it's sad to me that people are in a hurry. And it's sad to me that people sometimes, you know, get to have that leap to success because they're, I can't imagine that they're fulfilled, Mm-hmm. or they're fully realizing what their job is because they haven't had the middle. And I don't know how you can appreciate the top when you haven't had the middle. And I don't know how you can handle the top. I mean, to me, it's inevitable that you're going to fall over. And if you don't, you're lucky. You know, I'm very uh, settled in who I am and where my career is. And I still as a director and a producer, I get coffee and I make big decisions, but we, it's, it's a team effort and, and every part of the process is important and every part of the process contributes to you being at the top. But this rush to the top is, it's scary. And it's also frustrating when, when you do want to bring someone on who's new and, and I don't mean to to make a blanket about that. There's a lot of new people who are just dying to learn and they're great and they're hungry. It just seems like more and more there are people who, you know, are interviewing you right, or I'm interviewing right out of college and they're, they would like my job. And I'm like, well, but you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know what you want to do with my, I'm going to give it to you and you might have a very bad day. Um, so it's scary. I think it's, I think it's scary in all walks of life. And I think it's, I think we need to slow down in, in all of it, you know, and enjoy it because learning is fun and learning the craft is fun. And the opportunities that you get when you are coming up the ranks, if you pay attention to them are phenomenal. I mean, there are days when I want to go back to being a PA who delivered scripts I went to every movie star's house in Hollywood. (laughs) I sat in on meetings in case somebody would want a cup of coffee with, you know, power hitters. It's an opportunity to see the best do what they do. And that's what you get when you're a PA. And then you get, you know, through the middle. And at a certain point, like you don't get that access anymore because you're somebody else. And 
it's different, but it's, it's a very valuable thing if you allow it to be valuable and see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, like on the other side of it too, there are days that are rough and I'd love to be delivering scripts and picking up coffee instead of dealing with whatever dramatic moment is happening. Mm -hmm. So love this. I mean, it's funny because, um, you know, one of the things that we're, we're experiencing is sort of, you know, rapid growth. I mean, you've seen our website and you've kind of seen, you know, uh, we, we'd, we'd just been talking briefly before the show about some of the things that we're working on. Uh, and it's a pace like I've never seen before. And I'm overwhelmed by it, to be honest. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I was talking to my business partner and mentor. He said, that's because what's happening here is he said, where the business is at is ahead of where your identity is at. And I think that, you know, when you skip the middle to go to the top, um, that I think that that's the reason you fall is, is because your identity doesn't shift, doesn't shift. I mean, I think that, that what we're, we're under the impression that as you get bigger, or as you kind of climb the ranks or as you achieve some level of success, that problems disappear. But what I'm learning <laughs> firsthand is that problems get bigger. Like that's what, you know, I, 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 that was a, a harsh reality check for me when I was speaking with my, my business partner the other day. He said, he's like, you're, you're seeing firsthand. He's like, things are, he's like, it's not like these problems just go away. Right. And I think yeah. you have to be equipped to deal with them. And if you skip from the, you know, if you skip the middle, I don't think you, you build that, you know, the, those things that are necessary. Yeah. You have to be prepared to receive the good stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and so you know what to do with it when you get it. You know, I know all these stories about, I don't know if you know all the stories, I'm sure you do, when people go on Oprah, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you talk to small businesses who have been on Oprah and they're like, are you prepared to be on the show? Because if Oprah talks about you on the show, you're going to receive a lot and it's all going to be great and it's all going to be at once. So are you set up to receive all that good stuff, um, all that good business, all that good attention? And if you've skipped the middle you know, good or bad, if it comes at you in that much volume, I think it, it's hard and it can be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very cognizant now of, you know, with the cancer documentary coming out and forming a nonprofit and starting a fashion line and all of it happening at once, I find myself very often taking a deep breath and going, okay, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of opportunities right now. I'm going to take a breath and pace this out just because X, Y, and Z people are all calling and they're all excited and they want to do something that is great for me and everything I'm doing doesn't mean I need to stop what I'm doing and receive that at this moment. It needs to be paced out and thought out and not rushed or else this wonderful gift that's coming my way won't come to fruition the way anybody wants to. And it can be hard too, because it's, you know, everybody's very excited. You know, I want to do this right now. And I want to do this right now. And I want to help you in this way. And, um, and it's, it's a lot and it's wonderful. Um, but I think going through the middle that I went through the middle has given me the wherewithal to say, that is a really great thing. And I'm ready to receive that great thing for this foundation or, or this movie next month. And we can talk about receiving it next month, but I can't receive it, you know, in two hours because that's not good for anybody. If that makes sense. Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. 
Um, you know, you brought up two, two other things that I, I want to dig deeper into, and then we'll start getting um, you know, into the other parts of your story. I mean, you brought up the, the idea of mentors uh, and also this concept of above the line, both, I think, which uh, kind of are, are things that go together. Uh, you know, one thing that I think is really important uh, is learning how to recognize when mentors have showed up in your life, because I don't think that I mean, it, part of that to me is, is one of those things I think they, they show up and you need to know that they're your they're potential mentors. I think it's one of those things that you – I'd like to actively think there is a process for seeking out a mentor because, I mean, you know, nobody pulls you aside in college and says, hey, here's, you know, finding your mentor 101. Uh, it's just one of those things. Some people are lucky enough to find them, yeah. and when they do, they can be life-changing. So I'm curious how you recognize when these kinds of people show up in your life. I can speak to it from a, a filmmaker perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it, it's just, I, I think it's listening beyond yourself and paying attention beyond yourself. Because if you listen to the people around you and you are aware of where they're coming from and really listen to them, not just in terms of you, but in terms of them, you'll know when someone's offering you something. If someone, if, you know, whether it be a production designer or a producer or, or a production coordinator, whomever on a film, if, if they're asking you about what you want and they're offering to you perhaps how they've come up, um, that, that's them opening the door. And maybe it's a fit for mentorship. Maybe it's just a fit for some sharing that's going to help you further yourself. But I think it's important. It's important to know when someone's opening the door. It's important. It's, it's also important to know when someone's not opening the door because it can be really hard when someone, you know, when a new person is forcing themselves on you because they're looking for a mentor or they're looking for a chance and it's not the right time in the production to do that. Usually, you know, I think it's half and half where people say, I'm happy to explore that with you later and not now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's a lot of more mentors out there. And I think that with this above the line, below the line thing there, and there's a lot of fear. You know, I, I was so lucky to have Larry as my first boss. I know a lot of people and have encountered a lot of people where they're like, ooh, well, that person's title is this, so I better not ask them anything. You know, I think that part of it is be respectful and don't walk through a door that's not open to you, but don't be afraid of people just because they have a fancy title. Um, We're all just people making movies. So I think it's just being awareness and it's a case-by-case situation, but um, I think if you're open to it, you'll know it's there, just like with any other friendship or relationship in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I do think, though, that there's a lot of fear of approaching people with certain titles, and that shouldn't be so. Because I tell you what, you know, most people who have been around for a long time, if there's someone who's truly interested in learning something in particular about the business, they're thrilled to help. You know, when somebody wants to learn something that I can assist them with. If it's, if it's, if it's true, if it's really coming from that place, I know. And that's so exciting to me because 
they want to learn and they're, and they're willing to put in the time to learn. So I, I'll always help someone who's, who comes to me with that. If someone comes to me and they want the fast track, you know, executive office, I don't put any energy into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of, of not being intimidated by fancy titles. It's funny because I mean, in the world we live in, people assume that, Hey, somebody has a hundred thousand followers on Twitter. Suddenly they, they kind of put them on a pedestal. And I, I think that, one of the things that uh, I've had to learn to do is to not compare myself to the people that I interview and and not see them as, as you know, uh, above me in any way at all. That's, and that's taken a long time. And, you know, I mean, as far as accolades go, many of them are. Those are just accolades. <laughs> We're all just people at the end of the day. Exactly. You know? When it's like we all know different things and everybody brings something else to the party. Mm-hmm. Like this would be an incredibly boring conversation if you and I weren't different but complimentary in some way. You know, and then it's boring and then we're not having a conversation and no one's listening. But everyone everyone is just a person and, you know, it. I get it. It's, you know, the other weekend I went to lunch with, three oncologists and a news reporter. And I was like, wow, you know, look at these people. And, you know, they want to talk about movies and I want to talk about (laughs) oncology. And, and so it's, you know, everybody has their own special magical thing about them and they just need to bring it, bring it, you know, nobody is, I mean, I don't think anyone in any of the, with these titles anyone who you really want to talk to mm-hmm. is walking around saying, I am a senior vice president or I am this fancy person. You know, there, I think most people are just interested in having an authentic conversation. Yeah. Anyone worth talking to anyway, and they don't really care about their title. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there with titles who are like, can we just put my title aside so we can have lunch, you know, and, talk about the weather or skiing or music or something other than what my title is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that's that's such a, a critical thing. I think that once once you can get to that, I think you're right. You find a, a much more genuine, authentic conversation happens. Uh, let's do this. Let, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, okay. You know, I, it, it's interesting. So, you know, part of what intrigued me about your work is what you've been through uh, to, to get to where you're at. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you're kind of at the what appears to be you know the pinnacle of your career, and then you find out you get cancer. Um, so, I mean, talk to us about that. I mean, I, I can't imagine this is an easy thing to go through. I mean, obviously, it's had to have changed you as a person and and changed the way you see the world. So, I'd love for you to talk us through some of that. Yeah, I, change is an interesting word. Um, it, I think, what cancer did for me is it made me more of who I am. Um, and I will explain that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that I changed. I think that I, I was me and I was me with a lot of extras, you know, I, I accommodated things, people, situations, choices differently. I, I, I did sweat the small stuff. I was very much a perfectionist. I was the same person that I am now, but I was harder on myself and, um, I, re- I enjoyed my life, but I didn't enjoy it to the extent that I do now. I think that cancer made me fully realize who I am. And it allowed me to 
let go of what I didn't need in my life and embrace what's magical about it, which made everything so much easier. Um, and I, I, and you know, part of me thinks that's something that probably comes with age and wisdom and all of that. And I just, I got that fast track, you know, like everyone wants in their career. I got the fast track in, you know, life lessons with the tumor. So it, it, it helped me very much let go of things. I always wanted to direct. I always knew I would direct. I didn't know when that would be. I was very comfortable writing and I was very comfortable consulting directors who wanted support with their work. But I knew that in order to direct a movie, I would need to be able to push the material, separate myself from it, um, and not get caught up in little things and not micromanage. And I knew I wasn't able to do that. And I, and perhaps it's the loss of control. You, there's no control when you're in cancer there. You can't control what's happening. You're being attacked from inside of your body. And so it, it became very easy to say, I didn't even think twice about directing the movie. I didn't think twice about, Oh, I'm directing. I just went, Oh, well, we're making this movie. We're taking these photographs. I'm taking all of the knowledge that I have uh, from every aspect of the film business, and this is happening. And um, it hasn't been difficult. I mean, my life has been very easy since I was diagnosed with cancer in the sense that it's just all very clear, you know? And... um, so it, it it was, I had just, you know, had a book come out called Blood Moon and I had a movie that I had written, not directed, that was picked up by Showtime called La Cucina. And actually the day I found out I had cancer, I had a meeting with this huge book buyer in the movie business who buys books and makes them into movies. And I still went to the meeting, um, And I ended up telling her what happened and that changed everything. Now we're friends, but we decided we would not go forward with that at that time. So it was, uh, which was fine. It, it wasn't hard. It wasn't like getting cancer crushed all my dreams, getting cancer helped me fully realize them in a different way. Um, and I jumped into a project that I was obviously not planning on. And I really didn't worry about all the other things that I had written and had ready to pitch and ready to send out. You know, I'm ready to do that now, now that this movie's come out. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of stuff here. Uh, I mean, this is, this is really rich territory and there's, there's, I think so many profound things here. I mean, I think one of the places that I really want to do a bit more digging is this idea of becoming more of who you are. Uh, like I realized our true identities are sort of, you know, hidden under layers of all the things that we go through as, as we grow, uh, as we go from childhood to, to adulthood. Um, and it's, it's layers and layers and layers and layers. And I think that in my own experience, getting back to being more of who I am has been learning how to shed those layers and it's happened in, in many different ways, but I think for most people, it starts with a significant emotional experience, in your case, you know, uh, an illness. But I'm curious, 
you know, and I've asked a similar version of this question to other people is how you get back to being more of who you are if you don't have, you know, a significant emotional experience. Cause I think it can become very easy to sleepwalk through life. I agree. And I don't, I don't have the answer to the question. Um, I think that we live in, in this country, we, we live in a circumstance that makes it very difficult. You know, we're, we're raised in, in a certain way, our society, you know, presents things in a different way and, and just enjoying life very simply is really not the American way. Uh, I'll say that before I got sick, when I traveled, I, I, I did, I lived, you know, and I would take break, you know, I, I would take weeks traveling and really appreciate every breath of life and lose myself in it. And then I would come back and you get back into the grind. And it's, it's hard. I, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it without that shake up. I think it's part of, you know, how we teach each other, how we mentor each other, how our parents raise us, what we're exposed to is it's really important to emphasize that life is each moment and i and i don't know how you get to know that the the week the weekend after i was diagnosed with cancer i was diagnosed on a wednesday and that following saturday was my very dear friend's birthday and she said what do you want to do and my initial reaction was i have to organize my entire life because i have cancer and i have to figure all of this out like i have to figure out money i have to figure out work i have to figure out what is going to happen for the next year so by the time we got to the end of the conversation we decided that i would just get in my car and pick her up and go to santa barbara and go to the beach and have lunch <laughs> <laughs> So, because it was all this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And it was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn on the radio really loud and drive. And we went to the beach and I'll never forget it. We walked in the sand. It was like I had never felt sand on my feet before. Um, I made a wish, you know, I threw a coin into this make-a-wish pond and I sat down and had a cup of espresso with a bowl of strawberries. And it was like I had never tasted espresso and strawberries before. It was an amazing day. I was, I have never been more alive. Um, and it, it's a, it's beautiful and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so bummed that in our world we don't just start that way I mean I'm sure some people do but I think it's few and far between I don't know a lot of people that haven't been through something profound that can 
just look over at me and say, wow, I've never tasted a strawberry like this and just enjoy that and not worry about where we're going next and just being in that moment. Um, and I do very much think it's this country. I don't think that other countries are exempt from it, but I think that, that we live fast here. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know where we're trying to get to so quickly. And, you know, once we get there, then what do you do? Because you've gotten there so fast. Then what? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't say a word. I was like, okay. Uh, wow. That, uh, man, I mean, for those of you guys listening to that, go back and, and, you know, rewind your iPods and play that again. I know I'm going to. Um, so much there. Uh, you know, it's interesting because... I love how you said you'd thought about all these different things and what you settled on is going to Santa Barbara and having lunch. And, you know, I mean, some of you know uh, my business partner, Greg Hartle. I mean, because he's a kidney transplant patient, he's talked to you about some of his health issues at times. And he says, you know, he said it's, it's silly because people think, hey, you know, he said it's, it's cliche advice, live every day as if you're, it's your last. And he said, you know, he's like, you get bad news. He said, you know what I'm doing today? I got some bad news. And guess what I'm doing? I'm going to Staples. He's like, because he's like, you don't just stop living your life. Right. You know, like, I think that the idea that you stop living your life because you're planning for your death is is kind of insane. Right. Even though we think that that's what's going to happen if we if we get, you know, some sort of terminal illness. Yeah. It's funny. I think about that. You know, it it comes up once you get the once you get big news, you think about what if I get it again? So and you can't know what you're going to do if you get big news. You can't. You know, it's just crazy. It's a crazy phone call. But when I think about it now, when I ask myself, what would I do? I think I would have an incredibly huge party in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) I would, you know, and then after that was done, I would talk to the doctor. But it, yeah, life doesn't stop. I mean, on many levels, you get news like that in life just, it's, it doubles living doubles, you know, because you, because you get it because you're getting it in that moment. Not that you don't get it otherwise, but when you're, when that news is fresh, when it's happening and when you're in it, you can't, you can't pretend that you're not more awake than you've ever been in your life. And it's, it's cool. You know, it's, it's very cool. There's no fear in it. You know, when someone gives you some news that you might be punching your ticket, you get to enjoy everything. And nothing's scary. Not at that moment. And that's very liberating. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Uh, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's start talking about the film and and kind of how it came to be. I mean, you know, at the very beginning of our conversation, uh, you mentioned this idea of fearless filmmaking, and so there are two things. I mean, when you got into this point, obviously, there are a lot of people who I think their first mind thought wouldn't be, you know, I'm going to go and do the biggest and best work of my life. <laughs> like that's that's I don't think that's sort of the default reaction to, hey, I have cancer. 
Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, part of me wonders if certain people are built that way and that's how they respond. Uh, because I know people who would get a headache and it would be like, you know, a total, you know, miserable reaction to, to everything. Uh, so I'm curious about that, finding that within yourself um, and how we do it. And then I want to talk about this whole concept of fearless filmmaking and kind of how it's played itself out. Um, I think in terms of deciding to do a movie and commenting on that, that's personality. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, looking back on me, it doesn't surprise me that that was my knee jerk reaction. Um, it to it was my coping mechanism. I would like to say that I did that just to to do the greater good for the world and give the world something. And I did. I did that because I felt like that was a resource that I wanted and it wasn't there. And I was a little pissed off about that, considering all of the filmmaking and money and fundraising and things done in this business, the fact that there wasn't a cancer 101 movie that spoke to me, I found to be frustrating. So I think I, even if there was one that worked for me, I would have made one anyway, because I needed, I needed to do it. I needed to do it for me. And, um, for several, for several reasons. And I think that people do different things when they're diagnosed with cancer and, um, or anything that is scary in life and they go to, to what their coping mechanism is. And and my coping mechanism is to do something creative, to have a creative and informative outlet is where I go always. So it, it, I don't think it was a decision. I think it was as so much as it was a need, it was part of my treatment as far as I'm concerned, making this film. You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, I, I look at writing for me and it's very much the same thing. It's, it's a therapy of sorts. And I say, you know, at, at every point in my life, when something bad has happened, I've always turned to a blank page. And I, you know, and part of the reason is I felt it was the only place where I wouldn't be judged because I could just write. Yeah. Writing is amazing. I did a lot of writing in addition to the filmmaking. And I think that that's, that's interesting that you say that in the cancer program that I went through at Huntington hospital, they have a writing program and it it's, it's free. It's part of the cancer treatment they offer. If you want it, there are free writing classes and it's, it's part of how they treat people. And it's amazing. Being creative is an incredibly powerful thing. Um, Art is powerful. You know, some people paint, some people write, some people dance. There's, you know, music is a very powerful thing. And I think that when we think of cancer and we think of disease, we think of what the doctor is prescribing medically. And if you have a good medical professional, they're not only describing, prescribing treatment that is medical and chemical. They're prescribing emotional treatment and encouraging that. I had doctors who encouraged my creativity every day. 
They encouraged me to exercise. They encouraged me to be proactive. They encouraged me to, you know, take part in all of it. And they were really very much treating me as an entire woman rather than just treating my cancer, which should always be done, but it it isn't always done. And everybody has their own way of of doing things and and coping and creativity is incredibly helpful when you're sick and you're lost and it's incredibly helpful when you are in a situation that you can't control. I love that. Um, well, let's do this. Uh, I want to get into this idea of, of fearless filmmaking and kind of how this all blends together uh, into the narrative of your film. Uh, I wanna, I'd love for you to define what you mean by fearless filmmaking and, and then talk to us about the process and, and the message that you wanted this film to convey. I think that, um, you know, making a narrative and making a documentary are, are two different things. I think that fearless filmmaking can certainly be applied to, to all of it in its own way. In the case of this particular film, I knew what questions I wanted answered. This, this movie answers all the questions that I had right when I was diagnosed. Um, if you know, it's, it's fun to go back and look at the outline that I wrote when I was recovering from my mastectomy, it was a very rough outline saying this movie needs to do this. And then the outline gets lost while you're filming because you're filming a doc. I was filming a documentary and it, and it, it, I think it, if I would have thought too much about it, if anyone would have thought too much about it, it wouldn't be what it was. Maybe that's what I mean by fearless filmmaking there. For this movie, we needed to capture the moments that were happening. Um, it's not a it's not a narrative. It's a cancer one hundred and one film. But that being said, it was shot while I was sick and while I was going through treatment, and we were interviewing people who were sick and going through treatment or who had been through treatment or doctors. And that with all of that, all of those variables, no one knew what was going to happen every day. Also, we had no money. So we would wake up. There was no planning. It was just be open to what was going to happen. Let it be, embrace it for what it is and don't overthink it. Don't worry about production or environmental issues that are going on that you would, you know, in a narrative film, you're going to worry if someone's making noise in the corner. But in a documentary, you're you're focusing, if, if the subject that you are tackling at the moment is authentic, it doesn't really matter what else is going on um, around you. In the film, I don't know if I'm being confusing when I'm explaining all of this. It's, uh, I think you just need to pick up a camera and go. And that's the fearless filmmaking and not worry about what anyone else is going to think and not worry about what you don't have and what you haven't planned. 
I think there's a lot of filmmaking in this business that concerns itself with what other people think, what the outcome is going to be, and what resources we don't have. I think that that's where the film business is moving, and that's frustrating. In this movie, it was very liberating that none of that mattered. Um, there were there there were resources, but no money. You know, the cast was all sick. I was a hot mess for half the time, whether I was bald or having a hot flash or wrapped in compression garments from surgeries. There was no room to be worried about anything um, or to overthink anything. And I think, you know, overthinking things can be damaging. I think it's very important to plan things in bigger movies and narrative films and studio pictures. Obviously, it's very important to plan things. But it's also very important to be able to let go and make your movie and let it be and not try and make it something it isn't or force it into a place that it doesn't want to go. You know, I'm listening to you describe this process, and to, to me, this isn't just about filmmaking. It's it's creativity at large. Um, you know, you said pick up a camera and go. I say pick up a pen and start writing. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of the same thing. Whatever whatever your art form is, I mean, like to be honest, I mean, the idea of making a film is is something that it's something I love and I admire and I respect. And I think, God, I'm like that sounds so daunting to me. But the idea of hey, you know, just pick up a camera and start shooting, and fi- you'll figure it out. Um, I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah, you just you you learn by experience and I and you you don't need to go to film school and you don't need to I mean it's nice. Look, I enjoyed film school very much and you you do need to learn your craft, but it's you don't have to get a job at you know XYZ studio and work for Mr. Fancy Pants number 3 to learn. It's helpful to be around people. I mean, it's definitely great to expose yourself to people who who know what they're doing and can guide you and mentor you, and it's important to learn the craft. But, you know, going back to the PA thing, while you're running around being a PA, learning and getting coffee for people, take your Saturday and go shoot something. And you know what? Maybe your first movie sucks. Maybe it's great. Um Maybe it's, it's just an exercise, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's all going to contribute no matter how it turns out. It contributes to making you a better filmmaker, um, to, to be able to learn your craft and really learn it, but then let go of the rules You know, it's like the elements of style, that book, you know, figure out what all the rules are so you can break them and still accomplish what you want to and actually make your material more interesting. So I think that what I got coming up as a PA was I learned, I learned all, I learned all of those things. I learned how to make a movie in a very structured way. I learned I was around creative people and got to see their process um, in an organized way and in a totally unorganized way. 
And then when it came time for me to make this movie on the fly, why I was sick, I was able to make a movie in a way that you would never recommend anyone. We broke every rule, every single rule, any kind of advice I would ever give you about making a film, um, would not be what we did here, but because of the people involved and because we knew the rules and we knew the craft, we were able to throw all of them out the window and say, we got to deal with cancer here and we got a camera. So let's go. But it took knowing all of that to be able to do that. So I think it's important to know the rules and to know when to throw them into the, out the window. So in a world in which every one of us has the ability to create entertainment at our fingertips, uh, and you've worked in an industry where an insane amount of entertainment is created, what, it is, what is it that you think allows us to become unmistakable? Oh, wow. I, I think that what allows us to be unmistakable is... our fearless passion for life and not being afraid of it. I mean, I fearlessness and allows us to live by our passion and passion is what we're doing here. So I think that's what makes us unmistakable. Amazing. Uh, well, Allison, uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to join us and, and share your story with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. This has been just super inspiring, eye-opening, and really touching, and uh, I really appreciate uh, that you're willing to come and share your story. I've had a great time, and now I can't wait to you know listen more often to The Unmistakable Creative Podcast because it's very cool. Thanks. And uh, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit, express your creative voice, and remember, the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. 
This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.